Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Ridge podcast. You can't get enough of my voice at the moment, I'm sure you can't because I'm just, you know, big massive attention seeker that loves the sound of it. So, whatever, deal with it. If I can put it to good use and other people like it, then I'm not going to apologise for that, alright? Why, why should I? Why should I? You know, it's a free country. Um, but, yeah, it's not all just about me today. It is one of the normal podcasts. I've got a guest on this week. I'm happy to say hello to Cosmo Tier of the N17 podcast. Hello, mate. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, mate. Um, yeah, very well. Absolute pleasure to be on. You know, I've been a fan of, of your pod, of yours and Raj's for a long time. So, you know, it's a, bit, it's a pleasure to get a call up. See, this is, this is a word to anybody, to, to like listeners. If you want to get your way into my good books, just flatter me. That's it. Do you know what I mean? I was saying at the top, just uh, I'm, a, I'm an attention seeker and all that. Need this validation, need the ego stroke. So uh, I'm glad you, glad you are a listener, Cosmo. That's great, mate. And I'm, I actually am a, a listener of your podcast as well. Everybody, I'll, I'll give you the plug up top. Listen to Cosmo's pod. It's really, really good. Um, it's, it's good to hear like the sort of next generation of podcasters, mate, coming through. That uh, I thought all you youngins were all TikTokers and vloggers and all that sort of thing. But no, there's still some... Still, some like you're keeping the podcast fire burning, lads. So that's that's what I like. So that's what I like to. Hear. When when did you guys start it actually? Um, so we started it in I think it was 2019, and it was kind of like in the the embers of the Pochettino era. Um, I think our first episode actually it wasn't at the complete start of the season. It was after we beat Palace four nil, and I was kind of like, oh, this is great. Like yeah. th- this podcast in luck is easy. Like we're back. <laughs> um. You know, it's all going to be all right. Poch is going to turn it around. And then, you know, we all know what happened uh, next. Um, you know, that turned into a bin fire. Then we got Jose coming in and the pandemic and stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a fun few years podcasting. It's been a bit of a ride, hasn't it, mate? Like when you put it like that, really, when you kind of look back on it all. But hopefully the Phoenix, the Phoenix from the flames, from the ashes of all that is Tottenham Hotspur managed by Antonio Conte going on to win the Premier League. But... We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. It's a bit Arsenal doing that at the moment, isn't it? Um, but I would, I would be interested to know, mate. How, how are you feeling about everything at the moment? Like, obviously, we beat Wolves, and there's, it seems to have, even though it's Tottenham Hotspur seven points up on last season, it still seems to have, let's just say, divided opinions. You know, some people are saying we are making these games too hard. Some people are angry that Leeds managed to beat Chelsea and we didn't people such as myself I'm pretty happy that Spurs are winning ugly that we're getting results across the line but what 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 do you feel would you like to have seen a bit more flair about what Tottenham are doing well the first thing I'd say on the Chelsea thing is that you just got to ignore what they do in the next game because we always know that they're gonna turn up against us I mean even when it was Mourinho v Lampard Mourinho made Lampard look like a master tactician so that was inevitable that they just go on and get pumped the next game so I'm not too worried about that fact but yeah, I was kind of thinking before I came on, how do I evaluate this season? It is a tricky one because without doubt, it has been a bit of a slow start. I mean, even with the 4-1 against Southampton, while we, we went on to play great again, there was a bit of a slow start there. And I think that is becoming a little bit of a pattern of our play that we are starting the first half of games quite slowly. Um, but you can kind of flip that and you can say that that's that's a testament to how Conte's set us up and mm. that our fitness is good and that we can come back strongly in the second half. But to tell you the truth, mate, I, I, I'm really quite in the middle. I think it could go either way because on the one hand, and Conte was keen to point this out, we've gone from picking up zero points uh, last season in these fixtures to now picking up seven. Um, but then on the other side, 
I can't help but kind of be a bit scarred by past Spurs experiences. <laughs> and it does kind of remind me slightly, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I remember under AVB in his second season when we were just winning 1-0 through, through scoring penalties via Soldado. Um, that was kind of giving me a similar vibe in terms of, yeah, we're grinding out results and we're getting results. But you either turn the corner, which I think we will. I think we will massively improve um, going forward. Or, I don't know, it could stay a bit turgid. I don't know, what, what do you think? I think so. One of my, one of my main things on it, because I do know what you're saying, but I do think, I look at it, right, we've just played Chelsea away. Like, their, fir- their first game of the season, first home game of the season against Tottenham. I mean, there's no, really, there's no bigger game for them. As much as they want to say that there is, there isn't. Spurs is their sort of, Spurs at Stamford Bridge is their biggest game of the season. The atmosphere, the pressure on our team there to turn up and perform, and on their team being propelled forwards. The fact that we sucked the life out of that, we scored against them in the 96th minute, I think is huge. I think it's a huge moment for Tottenham. Um, in terms of Wolves, like we always know, we know what Wolves are. We know that Wolves are a horrible, horrible team to to play against for Spurs. They did beat us last year, um, and they they've improved. They've improved their team from last year. Um, I thought they actually played all right, but really, we contained them. Uh, we contained them pretty well. Um, I do think we got. I do think. See, my my biggest issue with it is, I feel like we got overloaded in midfield. We got overloaded in midfield against Chelsea, and it seemed to be that Wolves did exactly the same thing again. Now, my wider fear at the back of this is, are other teams looking at this thinking Conte is so rigid in his system, in his approach? We know how we can get at Tottenham. Attack those central two and you nullify Tottenham. They can't really do anything. They can't get a foothold in the game. Um, and I guess that's where Conte earns his money, right? Conte and his team earn their money. They have to look for solutions in this. Whether that solution is Yves Basuma coming in, taking place of Hoybier, that feels harsh because I think Hoybier was one of our better players against Wolves actually the other day. Um, but, you know, he's, we saw him switch it up against Chelsea to good effect. Whether or not we sort of, I can't see him. He's, in my opinion, he's not ditch. We're not going to stay four three three. It's it, to me, it's not a thing. He, he's going to stay with his five at the back. That's Conte, and we mm-hmm. might see it in varying degrees throughout the season. But this kind of clamouring for a four three three, maybe I just, I, I don't, I don't even think we've got the personnel for it. To be honest, um, so it will be interesting. I mean, at the moment, I'm kind of. Do you, would you say though? I, 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 I sort of, I want to talk about them more in depth bit later on but mm-hmm. do you feel there's a little bit of you just if being honest being honest Cosmo a little bit of you that's kind of just sort of feeling a little bit of the stress of Arsenal looking all right at the start of the season because like that's that's kind of the vibe I get from a lot of the Tottenham fan base at the moment is that we we would probably be a lot more comfortable doing what we're doing right now if Arsenal weren't looking quite barnstorming at the moment if you know what I mean I mean, they yeah, they are looking good, but kind of my my philosophy with that is that I just kind of I just try and ignore what they do. Like I bumped into a bunch of them at the pub after um, the Spurs game and after their game, and they're just getting so ahead of themselves. It's uh, it's ridiculous, and I kind of think we kind of saw what they're capable of in terms of how they crumbled last season. I find it hard to take. A manager seriously who's going around holding a light bulb light bulb going on about Thomas Edison um when you compare that to kind of like the cool head of of Conte I just I don't think that's going to be the main threat this season um obviously they are looking good I don't know what the hell has happened to Gabby Jesus because he looks like a completely different player to what he was at City and you know in a way what he might have been if he came in at Spurs I think he would have kind of been this bit part role guy who plays on the right wing for us every now and then um but at Arsenal I don't know he's, it, it is quite scary how good he's actually looking um as a number nine which I didn't see coming so no doubt they've improved especially if they do get Neto from Wolves as well they could be a it could be a danger but honestly I think if our ambitions are looking at maybe challenging City and Liverpool then that needs to be the focus. And I think if we're battling that out with Arsenal, then I think something's probably gone wrong on our behalf. Maybe <laughs> I'm really underrating, um, underrating them. No, I'm, I'm with you, I mate. I mean, look at it like Gabriel Jesus. I don't want to sort of 
dwell too much on us at the top end of this, but I can't help it, you know, and everyone's talking about it at the moment. Gabriel Jesus, though, look, he, yeah, he does look brilliant. He is great, but is he going to replicate this across every... There's a lot of pressure on him, man. He's pretty much... Take him out of the team. What are you replacing with? Eddie Nketiah? Decent young player, but, you know, we can't... We, come on. I think even your most ardent Arsenal fan isn't going to claim that Nketiah's on that same sort of level that Jesus is playing at at the moment, but... Is this just Jesus joining a new club, wanting to show everybody what he's about, really giving it his all for these sort of opening games? But is he going to manage to maintain this level of form throughout the entire season? Because it seems, again, like this Arsenal system is very dependent on him playing the way he's playing right now. And Thursday, Sunday rotation, bring in Carling Cup games, bring in, or what, not Carling Cup, what is it, Carabao Cup now, fucking El Grande, come on. <laughs> uh, FA Cup games down the way, like, that's a lot of football on his shoulders. I'm not sure Arsenal have got the, the kind of the full kind of depth there that Tottenham do. And, you know, we're seeing it, like, Richarlison might be being kind of, like, drip-fed into the team. I like that. It's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint and whatever other old cliches you want to throw at it. But it's true, right? Like you're saying about Conte and his cool head. You know, I, it's, it, to me, it, 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 there just seems to be a lot more structure at Tottenham and that's kind of what I do like about it. And I don't, I don't fully kind of... I do, I do know what you're saying about the AVB thing. Like you can feel that way, but that always felt like that's the best that we could do. Like Spurs Mm, were getting that across line. Whereas now under Conte, it feels like we're getting started. We're going up through the gears and already we're seven points up on what we were last season. And I think that's the important, that's the crucial part to cling on to with with Spurs at the moment. Just in my opinion anyway. Yeah, no, 100%. Maybe I I laboured the the AVB point a bit too far because I I 100% agree with you, man. I... I've been, um, I've been watching the, the last dance again recently and, um, Maybe I've been getting a bit ahead of myself watching that, but it, it does kind of like set the balls up as like this franchise who had all these good players that were just, they were ready to go. They were just, just about getting there. And they had um, a really good manager before they brought Phil Jackson in. And that's like a really common thing in basketball where there'll be a manager or a coach that's known as like the guy before the guy. Yeah. And I kind of do think Conte might be the guy after the guy. We've had two duds in between those guys, but I mean, Nuno barely even counts. And uh, yeah, Jose, probably best not to talk about him too much. But yeah, I, I do think this is different, man. I really do. It, it, it is strange, isn't it? Because it's, there is just something about, there's a kind of, there's a, there's like, a, there's an intangible level of almost like, I sort of said it before, like an unearned confidence that comes with what Tottenham are doing right now. And all I can liken it to is like one of my mates who is a Liverpool supporter when they kind of got Fabinho van Dijk and they got um, Alisson through the, through the door. They suddenly went from being a bit of a kind of banter FC, getting done by Spurs at Wembley, all that sort of thing. Like a couple of good players and Salah and Mane, but you're like, well, what else have they got to them? It's not much there. And it kind of feels like Tottenham have done that, right? We always had Son and Kane, but meh. Larice as well. I'm not going to sort of do him dirty, but it just seems like there's a sudden, there's a like there's a there's an assurance that's been bled into Tottenham now, and I really I really felt that that run towards for for Spurs to be in the Champions League now, like we can make fun of Arsenal. And Arsenal did definitely bottle it to a degree. I mean, they definitely did bottle it that Newcastle yeah. game. But just that the fact that we managed to put that pressure on them to bottle that from from where we were sitting before was a, like just a level of strength in Tottenham in their belief in their kind of play, everything about them that I haven't seen for years at Tottenham. I haven't seen since peak, peak, peak Pochettino, 16, 17, 17, 18 Pochettino. And even then, as people have said before, like it always felt like there was an air of like, oh, you know, let's keep going with this sort of plucky underdog performing above ourselves. But now it feels like, no, we are, we got, Harry Kane, we got Son, we got Lloris, we got an Eric Dyer that seems to just suddenly be like putting his injury stuff behind him, putting all his positional doubts behind him, and he's just focusing on what he does best. And what I think we're reaping the rewards of that. Ben Davis as well playing in his his preferred position. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are always going to say he can be upgraded, and I, I, in the bigger picture, do feel that way. But for now, I don't feel it's a critical replacement. I think he's a very, very good player. Romero, you know, what, what more can we say about him? Davison Sanchez, you know, I think somebody said, is it 
like seven hours of football uh, Davison Sanchez has played and hasn't conceded in. I want to say that. It's some, some sort of mad stat like that. It was um, around that, yeah. So, you know, what what did you make of Dav, actually? Because I, I'm often quite sort of scathing of him. Um, and I, I still kind of feel, my thing with Dav, just to put it out there, is I feel that it's great and it's great seeing him do what he's doing. He did have a great performance, but I'm always just waiting for Dav to have that moment, you know, where it's not great anymore. Yeah, and I think he definitely, he always does have that moment in him. Um, but I thought he was fantastic. I mean, some of the blocks he put in were were just phenomenal. And I, I think what we do lose with Dab, especially when he comes in, is that you just can't replace the kind of creativity that Romero can give you, like coming out the back. So that's always going to be quite a significant drop-off. But what you do get in Dav, I think, is a solid defender and I think in the role that he's playing at a moment where he's not playing every single week and he is kind of like the principal backup you are going to kind of limit the amount of ricks that he has um of course when he's rusty maybe maybe he's more likely to make that mistake but when he's not playing every week I think he, he's more than capable as a backup and yeah he, he looked really good and I actually think for the period that Romero is out obviously that's kind of a little bit debated as to how long that's actually going to be. I know his team and him were saying, oh, I can come back straight away. Um, whereas Conte's being a bit more cautious, which I think is a good thing. I don't think the games are the, are the worst games for him to miss. I yeah. think it's come at a kind of like a kind time in, in the fixture, in the fixture list. Um, because yeah, like you said a bit earlier, like we're still pretty much only in one game a week right now. Um, and when I was like, looking ahead to our next game against Forest, I saw that they're playing in the Carabao Cup tomorrow. So it's it's going to start and it's going to get crazy before the World Cup, the amount of games that, that are going to be played. So we're going to need people like Dav. And yeah, I'm, I, I was kind of surprised by how good he was, to be fair. Um, but yeah, he was solid. He had that, he did that that one brilliant tackle in the first half when, um, what's his name? It was one of, it's, is it Guedes? What's he got? The, Wolves' is new signing. Nunez, isn't it? Nunez. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah, I'm just doing a <laughs> doing a like my dad of, does when he says. <laughs> I'm a little bit of same. I can't yeah. lie. I mean, not, yeah. not all the time, but on this one, I think it has kind of passed me by a little bit. I, just, I mean, it's it's Wolves signing another Portuguese player, you know. So yeah, without getting to your dad about it, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of them, you know. Yeah. So. Coming here, bringing that piri piri chicken over. Do you know what I mean? Like, but they, uh, yeah, he. I mean, he did that brilliant one-on-one tackle. I know, you know. I think there's this sort of conversation at the moment, right, when people are talking about squad options for Tottenham. And you've touched on it there, like the amount of games that are going to be played in like such a crazy succession this year um, before the World Cup and after it as well. And the World Cup itself, really, for half the players in the Premier League. That we need to stop, sort of stop looking at every single player that either Spurs are linked to or any player that Spurs have on their bench or in the squad at the moment as being, well, he's no better than, you know, it, it, this was one of the things that like when we signed Richarlison, there was always talk of, well, does he improve Son or Kane? No, but we're not spending 200 mil on Mbappe. And that's the sort of, and, and is Mbappe, like even in that instance, it would be debatable as to whether or not he improves Son or Kane, you know, and people are going to call me deluded for saying that type of thing. But the sort of the level that we have in players like Son or Kane, you can't be looking to like build a squad that improves on them at this point in time like you just you build you flesh that squad out with as you say with the fact in mind that we've got so many games to play um I did want to sort of talk about Harry Kane because obviously another record-breaking goal the most goals for any single Premier League team now is Harry Kane he's overtaken Sergio Aguero um I mean what what more can can we say about the man really Cosmo I mean he just he's He's just the best player I've ever seen at Tottenham now on balance. He he feels like he's got a bit of the best things of all the best players we've ever had at Spurs, really. Um, his finishing is, you know, unbelievable. His, you know, you've got a bit of like the kind of the, the passing ability or just reading of the game of somebody like Modric. You've got the uh, the big moments, the dynamic kind of presence of somebody like Bale. Maybe not the kind of same dynamic speed and kind of directness of Bale, but still, he, he can twat a ball, basically, is what I want to say in short. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he's he's impossible to replace us, right? So you just enjoy the ride? 100%. I mean, we... I, no one would be able to replace Harry Kane and 
we're so lucky to have a player like that. I mean, in what world, especially especially in Tottenham, in what world like does someone come through from your academy who no one really fancied and he ends up having a career like he's done? Um, it's like you say, like he can literally he can do everything. And I actually think Kane's underrated, to be honest, by other fans and to an extent even by Spurs fans as well. And I think it's because he does every part of the game so well. It almost makes it like a little bit banal in a way. Like he get he gets that header against Wolves and it's so efficient and it's so good. The movement is so good that you're just like, oh, like he's just scored another tap in. But then you watch it again and you see the way he spun Collins and, you know, we're so lucky to have him. I actually think this version of Kane probably last season, he showed flashes of it, but the season before where he is playing that kind of nine and a half, 10 role is... It's incredible, man. I love the way he can drop into that space and pick a pass. Um, yeah, so lucky to have him. And I think he's 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 underrated, to be honest, in the, in the world of football world. Like, I was having a debate uh, with one of my mates about... We were talking about who is going to be the best player in the world because, obviously, Messi and Ronaldo... Um, well, Ronaldo's completely finished, let's be honest. But Messi probably, yeah, he's getting older. And he was saying Benzema is is the best player in the world. And I was like... I don't even think Benzema's better than Kane. Like, maybe that's a bit of an outlandish statement. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But I think Kane, as a striker, he's just got so many strings to his bow. Yeah, we're so lucky to have him, man. Yeah, what's your favourite goal of his, out of interest? My favourite goal of his, for me, it was the 5-3 against Chelsea. Um, That one where he struck it from range. And I think you could argue that, I don't know if he got two or three that game, but that one where he where he turned and then slotted one in at far post was maybe technically better. But for me, that 5-3 against Chelsea, that's where something really turned for Tottenham. And you do get these moments where, like especially under Poch, I think that was where I was like, okay, we might actually have something here because they were flying under Mourinho and we were like this young up-and-coming team. I was also, um, I was watching it, at an ex's house and her mum supported Chelsea. <laughs> All the better. All the better. <laughs> yeah, and it just made it... I was I was actually streaming it on my laptop. It was around, like, Christmas, wasn't it? It was, like, around New Year's Day. I was streaming it on my laptop. And I just remember not really being able to believe my eyes when that went in. Like, I just went absolutely ballistic. I was, like, screaming, running around with the laptop. Um, that was a great game. To be honest, that was one of, one of my favourite Spurs games when we beat Chelsea 5-3. And I think that was where... We were like, okay, this guy's world class. So maybe slightly, that's more of like an emotional one. But for me, that's that's my favorite goal for him. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's that's what I was thinking. When you sort of remember like Bale announcing himself against Inter Milan, like you kind of say, it did change in that Chelsea game, didn't it? Because before that point, you were kind of like, oh, you've got that young. It's good for this young Harry Kane lad from the academy. It's nice to see him come on, score a few goals. Maybe if he's an option, we've got around the the kind of squad. He. I tell you what, I put him in this a similar bracket to like how people sort of maybe talk about Skip now. You know, Harry mm. Kane was starting to get a few appearances, and we were like, yeah, you know, if he can, if he can be a good squad option for us. We've had a lot of shit with kind of Adebayor with Soldado, and if there's a young homegrown lad here that can score, you know, sort of pop up with goals, let's ride this momentum and see how it goes. But we probably need to think about getting a big established striker in at some point, and then that game came along. And you were suddenly like, actually, no, he's a player, isn't he? Like, this isn't just a kind of like flash in the pan. And then, obviously, a lot of people had been saying it for years. You know, a lot of people who were more interested in youth football and all that type of stuff had pre-warned us about Harry Kane. They told us kind of the ability that was there. But even in that instance, you know, a lot can change in like a young player's career and that kind of transition to playing at actual top level Premier League football it just isn't for everybody, you know. It's just, it's just as much a mental thing as it is a physical or technical thing. Um, everybody knows this by now, but you just suddenly saw in Harry Kane like he just he was he was seizing that opportunity right, and he just hasn't stopped ever since. And I don't. I think my main thing about Harry Kane is that I don't. I honestly don't think. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, there's never been a player. The, I mean, there was a different thing with Ledley. I mean, Ledley was always a shame that he was just injured all the time. But before every single game, I remember the relief, getting the team sheet up and seeing that Ledley King was starting. There would always be a bit of a sigh of relief that maybe we wouldn't lose today because Ledley King was playing. And that was kind of... You've got a similar thing with Kane in that even when he does go for these streaks when he's not playing as well, I always think, well, 
at least we've got Harry Kane though. He he will come good. He will score goals. Just get a penalty, Harry Kane will score it. You don't really need to worry about that with him. You know, I just think he's he's his consistency is something that we just we just cannot take for granted. We can't take for granted at all because you know you are <laughs> you you really are looking at like a 150 million pound 200 million pound striker you are that like you say has just come for our academy you know the amount of goals he scored is unbelievable Tottenham with top maybe even now would struggle to sign a player yeah we're not, we're not Harlan wasn't going to come to us was he Mbappe isn't going to come to Mbappe literally laughed at a Spider-Man premiere <laughs> about the idea of coming to Tottenham which I do actually take a bit of umbrage with do you know what I mean but you know you get it, right? You, yeah. And a player in that stratosphere isn't going to come to Tottenham, but we've got him. He's here. Um, so I agree with you. I do think he is underrated, but I think greatness is always normalised, right? It takes... Mm. I think people sort of talk about like Leo Messi having had a bad... I remember there was one year in particular at Barcelona when people said, oh, he's not had a good year, actually, uh, Leo Messi. And then you looked and <laughs> he'd still scored like 40-odd goals for the club that season. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's it's always easy because these these sort of heroes set like set the their own bar so high, so absolutely high. Um, and funnily enough, I do feel that like his greatness in a way has overshadowed the greatness of Hummin Son, who I do actually feel quite sorry for. I do feel sorry for Son. Obviously, I think playing alongside Kane has been a godsend for his career, just as much as at the same time it's probably overshadowed the fact that Son, in his own right, is one of the greatest footballers Tottenham Hotspur have ever had. However, he's not had the greatest start to the season. How are you, Where do you stand on him at the moment, Cosmo? I'm just sort of interested to know what, how you're feeling about his first few games. I mean, on Son, I absolutely love Son. I think he's probably my favourite of this era. Again, that's more of like an emotional thing and maybe it's a bit sacrilegious because I know we have to, we probably should say, yeah, Kane is without a doubt, without doubt, um, my favourite player. But Son, there's just something about him, man. Like he's such a great personality. He works so hard. He scores amazing goals. Um, He properly loves the club, doesn't he, as well? Like properly. Yeah, exactly. If it was in any other era, this guy would be our absolute number one hero. <laughs> so like you say, he is just a little bit unlucky or well, lucky as well that he's played along with Kane, but he definitely deserves to be, to have his name out in the, out in the, in his own right as well. Um, I've been where, like, I really fell in love. Well, I always loved Son, but like where I was like, okay, Sonny is more than just the rest of desk. Sonny is Sonny was when Kane got injured in that Champions League run. And he was scoring those goals against City. And you're like, okay, this guy is world-class. Because it actually took quite long for people to acknowledge that Son was world-class. Um, and he, I, I think he is. That trip down memory lane aside, he's been really poor so far this season. And he looks really off it. Um, his touch just looks all over the place. It's just so often that the ball's kind of like fizzed into him and he's kind of controlling it. Just oddly just it's something about him just doesn't look right right now um I don't know where that comes from but it's interesting you were saying about Richarlison earlier and like how it is a squad game and Richarlison is going to be pushing people I think on form right now Richarlison does deserve to start over Son would I personally take make that call I'm not sure because I think Sonny's the type of personality where he needs to feel loved and he needs to kind of have an arm around the shoulder a bit more um then again his dad is a psychopath so <laughs> may maybe not on on that but i i think we'd be better off leaving him in for two or three games letting him kind of ride out this bad patch of form and seeing if he can turn it around because i mean just look at the end of last season the amount of goals he was scoring he's he's earned his keep man and i, I I was listening to um, uh, the extra episode you did and when you were saying that there was some guy in front of you like coating him off, I was like, just these people have such short memories, man. And I think we have to let them ride it out. What, what do you reckon? Would you well, mix well, it up? I, I, comp- no, I, to me, you've you've nailed it there, mate. You've got to stick with Sonny, in my opinion, because he just, it, not only do him and Kane have their kind of relationship that they have is, you've just got to stick by these players. Like we, you know, 
he stuck by ours basically. He could have. I defy anybody that says that Homanson wouldn't have been signed by Real Madrid or by Liverpool even. Anybody like that, they would have taken him. Any any club in world football, in my opinion, would have taken Homanson. Even PSG with their embarrassment of riches, anybody would have him. He stuck with Spurs. He feels indebted to the club, and you've got to stick by him. I mean, I don't think his. By his own standards, I think by anybody's standards, really, his past few performances have not been great. But, you know, if we look at this, you look at this at the start of a season, it always looks worse, in my opinion. Had he been having a a quiet spell in October, I don't think people are going to be as asked. you know. They would still kind of look at it. But we've always known that Son has this kind of ability to be a bit streaky in him. I'd be interested to know your, your perspective on this because, obviously, a lot of people will often say... Let's get in competition. Let's have players breathing down the squad's neck. And I, I do agree. That I don't think that's a that's not an incorrect statement to have. But what I mean from that is that people always think that, that it, by default, that is immediately going to make a player perform better. This is probably the first time now with Richarlison there that Son has truly had his place under threat. He's or at least has got he's competing for a place. Should we say? And there's plenty of games to go around. It's a squad game now. It's not a starting eleven game, right? We know this, but still, there is a starting eleven. If it comes to a cup final, there's the strongest eleven that the manager is going to pick. Do you think Son is maybe feeling the pressure of not only having won the Golden Boot and feeling the need to replicate that a similar level to last season? Do you think he's also he could be potentially feeling the weight of kind of, well, I've got this exceptional player in Richarlison now vying for my position in the team. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm, that's that's a good point. I've never really, I haven't really thought of it like that, but I don't know. I, to be honest, I think if you're such an elite level athlete, which he is, you have to expect that at some stage. I think it, it, it is inevitable. It is going to come along. And... I do think the competition will be good for him in the long run. Um, yeah, I do think, like you say, I do think it's kind of, it's been exacerbated by the fact that this is at the start of the season. If it was midway through, you'd be able to kind of let him ride it out. And then also there would be like these cup games that we're talking about where Richarlison can go in. And if he makes it, if he makes himself undroppable, then that's just going to be the case. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Possibly, possibly. I was also wondering if maybe he's feeling the effects of of the preseason a little bit because yeah. we did have that really brutal preseason. It's their first preseason under Conte, and he was a bit late back. Um, and he met them out there in Korea on a bit of a kind of, you know, sort of like a PR activity thing. I don't know whether possibly. I'm just speculating that that could have affected affected him a little bit. I'm not sure. There was always potential, and yeah, it. Seems to be a mixture of that, doesn't it? Because he he does he does look a bit leggy. And I'm surprised like more people haven't picked up on this. They're kind of more talking about him disappearing into his own head a bit, which I don't think is invalid. But I do think he just looks a bit leggy. Um, so I do, yeah, I think that tiredness. But is a factor. I don't completely discount the idea that he's sort of playing within himself a bit, though, because there was that one opportunity. Did you see it when I think Kane got that free kick that he took pretty quickly? And he kind of booted it up into the air and I was wondering what the fuck's he done as he sort of miskicked yeah. it but then actually sort of, sort of Son almost come out it was right in front of me as well but Son almost looked like he sort of came out of nowhere got a touch on it took a brilliant touch I was like yes this is it like Sonny's about to bang it home now and he just absolutely fluffed the finish it was awful mm. it was practically like one-on-one he did he did have pressure from either side of him but we've seen Son just slot those home plenty of times so 
I do wonder if something something's weighing on him a bit. But like we were saying with Kane at the top, I back Son to sort of come good. I back Son to come through the other out the other side. As we've seen, we've seen him plenty of times have these patches where he hasn't done well. And people people forget that even players like Gareth Bale, even Gareth Bale for Tottenham was so fucking streaky. You know, Gareth Bale went through plenty of games where he didn't look particularly great. Um, but still always kind of came up with the goods on sort of a, on a net balance thing at the end of each season. Yeah. That's sort of where you've got to look at it. I think Son is Son has got plenty of credit in the bank, right? I'm gonna stop with these sort of money metaphors, but <laughs> he's he's still got plenty of credit with us. And I just think yeah. I agree with you, stick with him. Keep Richarlison hungry. Keep kind of like you don't need to have like a massively detrimental effect on Son. Richarlison's gonna get minutes. There's gonna be plenty of minutes coming up. And as Conte keeps making that point, you know the original starting 11 they've had seven months of him a lot of these players are still new to the team and for this kind of plays into what we were talking about about Spurs their slow start and everything like that is that there's still a lot of players that are yet to get up to speed with us we've got Basuma coming through we've got Perisic who's starting to look quite good but in that actually I'll be interested to know what, what did you make of Perisic in his in the game in, in overall against Wolves yeah I mean he he did look a little bit slow to start at first in the first half but again, um, we got to factor in, this is his home debut. And even though he is like a seasoned professional, he is still settling into a team. So I think that that's it's kind of normal that someone's not going to start like completely bang on. What I do love about Perisic is I just feel like there's certain players where you can just see that they're, they're quality. And I think where that really dawned on me um, was in one of the preseason friendlies against Rangers. And he just took that shot from nowhere, just absolutely spanked yeah. the ball from like 30 yards. And I'm like, okay, this is different because that that was, Reguilon's never doing that. Cess, bless him, he's never doing that. I think um, I've, got, I've got no worries about Perisic. And one of the things which actually watching the highlights back as well, that header that he's got is actually to assist Kane is a bit underrated, man, because I was thinking like, you know, a lot of the listeners, a lot of us, we kind of play football to, I don't know, seven or side or whatever. Can you imagine someone smacking the ball at your head <laughs> that hard? And you it's have horrible, the isn't it? Like... Exactly. And he can just duck and perfectly flick it over for someone to just knock it in the net. That's nuts. Like that is actually like, that's a great bit of skill, but it's not getting talked about. But I think, yeah, he, he's he's going to be mustard for us, I think. Head, you're right, though. Heading the ball, honestly, is easily the most awful bit of actually playing football. Like, it's, it's horrible. It's disgusting. Always get, I've always gotten a headache off of it, every time. And it will always just land on the... I'm shit at football, to be fair, so it's not it's not really saying much. But I hate it. Never liked it. Never enjoyed it. It is, hor- it is horrible, man. It's always like, I don't know, you just feel a bit weird after. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then, like you say, you see, kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, I tell you what I noticed most about Perisic actually is that I, I did a, I preached. The thing is, I hadn't actually, I hadn't drunk before the game, so it wasn't just like, oh, I was just pissed in the stadium because I've been drinking since ten a.m. for the lunchtime kickoff. Like, I was watching the game sort of like with fresh eyes and everything like that, and I, I was appreciating a lot of what Perisic was doing. He was obviously very good, but then when I watched the game back on match of the day, I was like. Fucking hell! <laughs> like seeing seeing someone like Perisic's touches and the way he was kind of gliding past people, I was thinking like this didn't this didn't translate from what I was watching there. Seeing it in its full kind of like majesty, if you like, mm. it's unbelievable. I mean, he I said it kind of a couple of weeks ago when we signed him. Like I still I think we should be under no illusions that like he he is one of our best players already. Like hundred percent, everything he's got behind him, his experience, but. His kind of his ability, and I, I just think people need to not get kind of blindsided by his age and all that type of thing. I mean, look at the geezer; he's like he's in he's in unbelievable shape. Um, he's yeah, he's got a face of an uncle, and then just this unbelievable <laughs> body. Like it's it's mental. But yeah. like on on that, on just how good he is. Um, I followed uh, Nima, the journalist who was on Extra Inch when um, Conte joined, and he was just purring. Uh, over Conte and I actually joined one of his like Inter Milan Twitter spaces just randomly one day and oh my god the meltdown that they were having about losing Perisic they were like really yeah they were like we haven't replaced him this is a guy who was our best player last season arguably the best player in the Serie A and I was like oh my god like we don't realize how good this guy actually is I mean seven goals and eight assists last season from left wing back it's uh 
yeah, he's going to be good, man. Look, mate, uh, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not elevating him to this level per se, but I, I totally appreciate Gareth Bale is one of, if not probably, the best British footballer of all time. But when he, when I was looking at kind of a lot of Perisic's kind of highlights, and just from having watched him play before. There is, there is an air of like bail about him in the kind of the way he just attacks a game and can just kind of just that, that strength and that kind of like the upper body strength and speed and just kind of directness he has about his play. Um, and almost just the way he can just hit a football without breaking his stride is that's what, like you were saying, love Sessignon. Um, but he ain't going to be doing that for us. And mm. they're very different. I do. I do we saw it. We saw Sessegnon come on toward the end of the game and he, he had a fucking brilliant performance against Adama Traore. Like, he pocketed him completely. He's definitely learning from Perisic. So, you know, I, it doesn't need to be a competition um, and all players are different. I think Sessegnon, you know, I, I just think he's a good player. I think he's a good young player that I'm happy to see at Spurs. And if he can learn more from Perisic, that's great. But, Perisic now, I mean, I was surprised to see him not start against Chelsea, but here we go. You know, I think we're kind of sort of, we're in the Perisic era now, I would imagine. And I'm I'm here for it, man, because he's just, he. I think he is a really, really special footballer. And he is just one of those players. That I just think like opposition teams and stuff are just, they're just ignoring. They're not, they're not really kind of thinking about that as in they're not seeing Spurs as a threat because they're seeing like, oh, what, who have they signed? What have they really done? Liverpool have got Luis Diaz or, you know, Arsenal are going to sign Neto or whatever. And I just think Perisic has just been ignored by so many people. And I think that's good for Spurs. I think it's good for, for us to just kind of continue to go under the radar like that, um, especially with a player like him, because I, I really do think he's unbelievable. Um, one thing I did want to, and I, you know, I don't want to go into it too much because I, I do get it's a very like divisive subject and stuff, but there's a bit of booing at halftime, which for the second home game of the season, considering we weren't losing, we're actually doing all right in the league. I did find a bit weird. Um, did you, did you really have any sort of perspective on it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I've always been really against like booing full stop. Really? I think there are times when I think you know, like the Nuno substitution that was probably warranted, but in general, I'm, I'm there to support the team and like, I'm not there to boo. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit like what you were saying earlier, like, you know, as probably one of the, the younger podcasters and might expect us to be doing all like TikTok dances and whatnot. <laughs> I do I do feel like I do have a bit of Yada streak in me. And I've like always believed in like, I know I'm not really one to go to the football uh, and boo. And it took me, it took me back, man. It took me back. Like I... The the whistle blew for half time and it was quite. I was in the south stand. It was quite. It was a bit muted in the south stand where I was personally, but there was some guy in front of me booing, and I was a bit like, oh, like, I was a bit shocked by it because yeah, of course, we we didn't play, we didn't play well. Um, we were definitely the the second best team, but I just I don't know, man. It it seems very spoiled to me, and I also think, in a way, what is someone what is Conte thinking when he when he hears that uh, not that we need to kind of always been being uh we we don't always need to impress Conte and be like oh like we have to act this way for Conte or whatever um which I do feel like some of the fans at, uh were like at first when he first came in but it just sends the wrong message man I, I don't I don't get that at all I agree with you completely mate it's you know I'm 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 mostly against it but I've seen kind of, you know, people raise arguments about it. And, you know, there are times when you can understand it. But just now, off the back of us sort of getting Champions League football at the expense of Arsenal, the effort that the team put into everything at the tail end of last season and where we are right now. It's an exciting time for Spurs. So I just, I don't, I don't get it. It was nil-nil. We weren't losing 2-0. We weren't losing. We're not like where West Ham are now. I haven't scored a goal yeah. all season. Rock bottom at the... I can understand fans booing in that instance to a degree, but even then, I don't do it. I'm I'm there to support the team, and it's not a, oh I'm better than you because I don't do it or anything. Whatever people support the game in their own kind of way, but that is not support. Booing the team at nil nil at half time in the second home game of the season when we're having a good year isn't support of any kind. And like you say, 
it's not about kind of impressing Conte, but you can imagine like the amount of work they are all putting in. He would be thinking like, fuck this lot, man. But I do think as well, though, he's the type of manager that will, if that sort of stuff carries on, he will have a pop at the fans to doing that type of thing. And I think people will Mm. listen to him. So, you know, maybe, maybe he will, uh, maybe he will say something. Um, In terms of talking about Tottenham squad, in talking about sort of the season going ahead, do you think we need some new players? Because we're seeing now, like, I think, Lachelle has gone. Brian Hill looks like he's about to go, and Dombele has gone or is literally about to go. Conte was sort of saying, you know, we've got a squad. If we lose more players, then we'll need more players in. One might argue that the three that are going, he didn't really even consider a part of the squad. But ultimately, would you like to see Spurs add another player, a couple more players? If so, whereabouts? What, what's the sort of priority for you? Um. I kind of agree with Conte, really. I think if Hill goes, then I do think we do need to bring in another player because we actually we paid quite a lot of money for Hill. That's something that goes quite a, under the radar. I think it was 25 million plus Lamella. So you're looking at like 35, 40 million for him. So mm-hmm. it's not insignificant. Um, so And I still think he could do a job. Um, so yeah, I think he would definitely need to be replaced. Other than that, I think maybe possibly a... a centre-back we could do with some more numbers there potentially um, because we've seen with Romero even though Sanchez played well say you increase that to two injuries then I think we're starting to get a little bit kind of short there Um, one of the positions which I do find interesting is whether I'll be interested to get your thoughts as to whether like you think we should bring someone in to play as a number 10 or like a creative midfielder because that seems to be something people are saying on Twitter a lot and I agreed with you when you were saying about I don't think we should bring in a player like Madison because you're looking at like 50 million plus outlay and I know we're saying it's like a squad game now but you're looking at someone who's going to be expecting to start games and we're a 3-4-3 three, three team and I'm quite happy for us to be wedded to that to that philosophy and trying to get it to work. I think every now and then just chopping and changing it between 3-5-2 and 3-4-3 three, three is actually a lot more disruptive than people would think. Yeah. Um, but on that, we have been linked with Malinovsky. And I think in terms of like a profile of someone who is probably a little bit more prepared to come in and be a squad player, I think he would be a better option than kind of breaking the bank for someone like um, someone like Madison or maybe uh, Pekatar or someone like that. So maybe, I don't know. Do you, do you think we need a number 10? I do, do you know what the funny thing is? I'd never even heard of Ruslan Malinovsky before we were linked to him the other day. And just from, like you said, kind of, getting a sort of sense of his profile from looking at you know all the places we all look kind of these sort of scout websites transfer market and all that sort of stuff watching the youtube compilations he just there's something about him that i do really like the look of that he looks like he is kind of built to slot into this team that he he looks big he looks strong um, he plays well with his back to goal. Looks like he can hold up play pretty well. But he does have that like those little flashes of like creative flair in him. There's quite a few little like lovely little dink passes that he was playing to kind of runners and stuff like that who are sort of swarming around him. And just to, I don't know if you saw his finish last night as well, but he's got an absolute kind of bastard of a shot on him as well. Um, and like you say, you know, you don't want to you don't want to kind of like fall down any rabbit holes of like whatever these kind of like stereotyping people in this sort of xenophobic way of being like, oh, you know, he's he's Ukrainian, so he's going to be like humble and hardworking and all this type of stuff. But, you know, you kind of, <laughs> to completely go back on myself, you kind of feel like a player coming from at least, coming from like the Syria, taking a step up, if you like, from, and I know all the banter merchants will say, oh, sideways step from Atalanta to Spurs, but... No way. Yeah, That's exactly. Exactly. Oh. Let's be real. If he takes a step up to Spurs, I do think he will f- grab onto the opportunity with both hands. Like he he does just look like a solid, hardworking player. And I do quite because I think my one thing is like uh, uh, people sort of immediately think, oh, you're saying that about Madison because he tweeted some stuff about Arsenal when he was literally like 13, 14 years old. I think he was tweeting that stuff. Um, so there might be that stupid subconscious bit of me that's like, oh, you know, I don't want someone that's a, an unashamed kind of Arsenal fan playing for Spurs. But in in reality, it's like, don't really give that much of a fuck, to be honest. Um, 
But like there's just there's just I've just never I've never really been that wowed by Madison. And I know it sounds ridiculous because he does have these big moments. Madison, he definitely does. You can't escape from that. Like there is obviously a hell of a lot of talent there about, around Madison. But I kind of I can't help but get the I think the best way I could I could sort of put it is like I kind of get the the feeling of like when Spurs signed Dempsey. Like Dempsey was like tearing up trees at Fulham. He looked unbelievable because he was like one of their their main sort of players. He was like one of their main linchpins. And I feel like Madison, if you if you put him into a team where you can kind of build around him, he can be fantastic. He can be absolutely brilliant. But you've even seen at times at Leicester when he's more pushed towards the margins, he has these streaky spells where he doesn't look that good. And I feel like to kind of to come in at Spurs and to be playing kind of to having to like grab opportunities to be competing around players like Kulisevsky, around Son, around Richarlison. I'm just not sure if that's the right fit. But somebody like somebody like Malinowski, who has a less like less of a profile, but has still has an unbelievable output. I don't know if you saw Nathan A. Clark put out a kind of one of his like web things that he does where he shows all the stats of the players and like you know the, the lad looks brilliant. He looks really really good. So I would like to see. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I think my, my thing is like if you look at kind of they they are they do all have their nuanced sort of approaches to the game. But I do think in like Bentancur, Hoybier, Skip, and Basuma, we have four players of a very similar profile. Right? There are there mm. are kind of there are flashes. There are differences between all four of them, but they are all kind of an archetypal holding, shuttling kind of midfield that can play football a bit, can pass, can get stuck in, can do a bit of everything. But having this, having something, having just something that's just a little bit different, I think will probably come in handy at points down the season. Um, yeah, just just on that Dempsey thing, I completely agree. Like I've had this little, not to make this a uh, podcast, just going in on James Madison. But I'm sure you'd be up for that. He's a fucking horrible gooner, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I do think he does fall into this kind of. I've always had it in my head as a sort of like a almost like a Lewis Holtby phenomenon where there's like these <laughs> yeah. number 10s like I would say like Holtby Sigurdsson um obviously less on Sigurdsson about but um there are <laughs> allegedly <laughs> there are anyway these, <laughs> yeah yeah but there are these players who they look great as number 10s in like n- decent sides like not so great sides you put them into a side that's really chasing titles and top four and, and whatnot and they can't really cope with it with not being the big fish in the, in a small pond. And to an extent, maybe this is a little bit controversial, but I do see that in the likes of like when people are having these debates over England, like how do you fit, fit in people like Mason Mount, Smith Rowe and stuff like that? I think even they fall into that a little bit more because I think the way the game's going, I think we are seeing number 10s kind of losing their use yeah, a bit. Time. So I think someone like Malinowski, like we say, like he can come in, he can play a few games, perhaps he can push himself into the team because I do think he can play in centre mid. Not entirely sure on that. Um, but yeah, we'd be better off getting someone who can drop in and drop back out rather than you've got this like 60 million sign-in with like a millstone around his neck where he has to play. I think that would be, yeah, Malino- someone like Malinowski is a better solution, I think. He is unbelievable. And I mean, if we're talking about Malinowski and it's not, you know, if you're looking at kind of like, look at players like Ben Tanker and look at Kulisevsky in particular, again, two players that came with pretty much zero expectation on them whatsoever, you know, that were just kind of, oh, well, these are, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I really, do, I mean, we'll talk about Kulisevsky actually because we haven't really spoken about him today, but Kulisevsky to me was a player that I think the, the team had, the coaching staff, everybody had sort of reconciled that we're going to be losing Bergwijn. He's not happy anymore. He doesn't want to stay. We do think there's a talented player there. We want to keep using him. Five subs next year, but the lad wants to start kind of week in, week out. Fair play to him. Let's do right by him. Ajax are there offering decent money. Great. We'll sell him, but we need to replace that. We need to replace that kind of wing option who can play across the front three. He isn't going to be demanding to be playing every single game straight away. And he's a he's an option for the future. He's he's of a profile that we like, and we can build on him. But I think he's like he's come into the team right, and he's just I don't I don't think anybody probably even like his staunchest sort of supporters, people that have like backed him, like you know 
I've seen some of like Swedish Twitter who are like, you know, feeling completely vindicated that Kulisevsky's showing kind of the footballing world what he's about now after he's kind of put that Juventus spell behind him and everything like so it does sound like it was a pretty kind of torrid time he had at Juventus I think there's even a goal of him like shushing the home fans and stuff when after he scored and it seemed like he was a real sort of you know, whatever pariah there mm. but I don't think anybody really was expecting him to really look as good as he as he has done because I, I don't know if you've noticed now like I think on Chelsea I was talking to Phil about it and like it, against Chelsea it felt like it was the first game really where a top team had sort of thought right Kulisevsky's one of their danger men and they they played against him appropriately and shut him out of the game a bit against Chelsea I thought and I kind of felt like Wolves were trying to do the same but it's almost like he'd already immediately learnt from Chelsea he'd sort of mm. adapted somewhat he'd, he'd adapted to having players up in his face to to pressing him, to pressuring him on the ball, realizing that he had less and less time on the ball, and he just again that that the the, the Kane header it hit the crossbar, that pass that he played again into Kane in that like it's that is like this like world class football on display there like and I I really I honestly I cannot believe that we've managed to get this lad for next to nothing right we're talking like yeah. 20th and then maybe another 10 on top if he hits a certain milestone which t- to me this is a this is a an 100 million pound footballer now you know like he's he's unbelievable um where do you sort of say no do you think am i am i sort of like blowing too much smoke up his ass too soon or no not not at all i think he is someone who he definitely has the potential to where we're talking about son and kane i think he has the potential to possibly be on that on that level, man, especially of Son. Like we think about Son as well as well as Kane, and we and like I would think, how are we ever going to replace someone like Son? Um, because when he goes, when he ages, we're going to have to spend a huge outlay on someone. And we've kind of obviously it's on the other flank, but we kind of potentially have done that by obviously you switch him over to the other flank, but you have someone who I think he can go to that level. Um, and yeah, we've brought him in for like not a lot of money in this market. And one of the things which you point out quite a lot is how young he actually is. And the fact that he's, I don't know, what is he, six months older or younger than Foden? He's like near to Foden's Yeah, age, either right? one. I'd never know which one it is, but it's it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I've memorized your your um, interpretation of him. He's either six months older or younger, but um <laughs> not interpretation right let's, let's have a look let's have a look now right Foden Phil Foden let's have a look 28th of May 2000 Kosevsky 25th of April 2000 so it's not even four months it's a month he's a month older mad wow. yeah. that's mad it's weird that he just doesn't seem like that age I, 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 it's not even that he looks particularly old I don't know there's just something about him he just looks so kind of like the, the finished article I suppose it's also because he's like super bulky as well like like a very like strong guy I just don't think of him as a young player and the scary thing is is that he could get even better and yeah I, d- I don't think other teams have fully woken up to it yeah, and um, it's interesting that you made that observation against Chelsea because I kind of maybe I wasn't looking into it as much as as you were because I kind of just thought he had an off day. But teams should be preparing for him now, um, and I think that is one of the benefits of us playing playing this three four three. Obviously, you do have the fact that we have been sacrificing the midfield, and you see the negative of that against Wolves. But it does allow you to attack with Son, Kane, Kulusevski, and then you got Perisic pushed up. Emerson, yeah, let's just not talk about that as much. Uh, but you can attack with five attackers. One of them is Kulusevski. Um, yeah, I think he's brilliant, man. I really do. And it's just, and then you got Richarlison as well that can come off the bench. You know, it's. I think, and this is why I kind of, I just think there's, there's a lot to be kind of excited about for Tottenham this year and you know look at the way the Premier League's gone so far mate look at that look at that City game yesterday look at Chelsea against Leeds like it's it's got the makings of a weird we got a World Cup in the middle Liverpool as well yeah it's going to be a weird season mate United getting I mean United have never really been in the conversation for 
you know, the entirety of Ferguson not being there. But still, you know, just seeing that them getting done 4-0 by Brentford. But Brentford, you know, with all due respect, like it's it's a pretty mad Premier League season. And it's in these kind of seasons where maybe, you know, teams can, can capitalise. I mean, I ho- hopefully it won't be Arsenal doing a Leicester um, but I, I just I don't I don't think there's enough there. Leicester didn't have European football. I think European football is going to kill it for for Arsenal. And I just I think things like you were saying the guy after the guy with Conte. To me, it feels like there's just a lot going on at Spurs at the right time. You know, I think things are coming to a head at a really right time, and I just you you don't want to hype yourselves up too much, but at the same time. You know, we've all watched Spurs for a long time and we know when things feel a bit different. We know when it's good. And I really do just hold on to the feeling that there's just something pretty special happening at Spurs at the moment. I think when yeah. we consider these players that we have, it's it's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty unbelievable that Kulisevsky isn't our best player by miles because in basically any other era he is. It's mad that Huminson isn't our best player because... In any other era, again, he is. It even Richarlison probably going going yeah. back not even that long ago. He's he was Everton's best player, and that's what Tottenham were not too long ago. You know, there's just there's sometimes I think we just need to sort of just because things are it's always moving, right? Everything is always moving, and sometimes if you can just find those little windows, those little kind of eyes in the storm to get that moment of clarity to just stop and kind of look an aerial picture of what it is that Spurs are right now and what it is that we're doing. I think there's so much to be happy about and so much to be excited about. And we've sort of touched on, I, I probably am a bit of a happy clapper, even though I don't like to use those terms either. But I, I really do just think objectively at this point in time, everything is there for Spurs to, to really surprise a few people this year. And to me, it's great. It's great that Arsenal are getting all the plaudits again. Right, they've they've won a few games at the top end of the season. So have Leeds, so have Brighton, you know. But people aren't talking about them winning the league, and but people exactly. are talking about Arsenal winning the league. You know, these little teams, you know, they can they can have they can play big boys at the start <laughs> of the season. But let's see it, let's see it when it gets down to the business end. And we saw it last year, the business end. Arsenal fell away, and who took their place? Tottenham fucking Oxford. So I think exactly. there's plenty to be excited about, mate. Exactly, and I feel like why not allow ourselves to dream a little bit, like. If this team wasn't Tottenham Hotspur, if we didn't have all the baggage, if it's just a team managed by Antonio Conte, it's a team with that front three. You've got people like Romero in there as well. Lloris, as you mentioned earlier. Anyone would be talking up that team for maybe league, possibly Champions League as well. Say this was some team in, I don't know, Italy or something. They'd be like, that's a great team. That should be talked about as one of the teams that could possibly do something in the Champions League. I kind of think, to an extent, the only thing stopping us is ourselves sometimes. And... I think you actually took, you touched on this a few pods ago. I, I do think sometimes does the personality of, of the fans of the club sometimes potentially draw us back a little bit. Like in those moments where we could have gone for the, for the league under Poch, does it matter that we kind of, we always kind of pinch ourselves a little bit and we're like, okay, don't, don't get ahead of yourselves too much. Like, would it be better if maybe we did and we kind of we dreamed a bit more and we demanded a bit more? I don't know, mate. It's it's going to be the 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 age old problem at Spurs until we get something over the line and one of the big ones over the line. And this is why you know great day out, everything like that. But a league cup, I get it. You get into the winning habit, but a league cup just won't cut it. I think for Spurs at the moment, for for what we have, for what we are. We've got to win one of the big ones. FA Cup would be a great start. I'd, I'd absolutely kill for that this year. It'd be that would be absolutely brilliant because I, I still I still rate the FA Cup to to a degree. Not even the uh, like your dark kind of <laughs> magic way and everything like that. I do just think it's it's a solid competition to win still, and it, it's difficult to win it again nowadays. Um, so get that get that over the line. Like, oh, fuck it, let's just win the double. Let's win the Premier League and the FA Cup. Let's. I love that, mate. That'll be that'll be a pretty decent one, but um, pretty decent. Fucking <laughs> listen to me. Yeah. yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, no big deal. But it's been uh, it's been great speaking to you today, Cosmo, mate. I hope you've uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Um, when's the when's the, when's the pod next out? You you do it weekly and everything like that. Yeah, Where can we, people find it? 
we do it we do it weekly recording tomorrow so it should either be out tomorrow or on wednesday um you can follow us on all our socials at n17pod to be notified when it's released and yeah click follow on spotify n17 podcast subscribe on apple podcasts leave us a review as well always helps damn i've really gone into that memorized little pattern <laughs> there like some kind of youtuber man like, it's what you gotta do man it's what you gotta do and uh you know as cosmo says like do do have a listen it's a very good pod it's great you guys you do have a lot of measured conversation it's really really good so for any of you old bastards out there that just think you know some pod by young people it's all going to be shouting and swearing and all this sort of stuff it's not they they talk a lot of sense a lot more than i do so give them a follow give them a listen it's really really good and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today cosmo really good to chat to you mate thank you man really good to chat it's been a pleasure Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 